This morning we'll be in First Timothy, the New Testament letter of First Timothy. We'll be in First Timothy, uh, chapter three, uh, for the next little bit uh, together. Lead me, follow me, or get out of my way. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Leadership is influence. The art of leadership is saying no, not saying yes. It's very easy to say yes. All of these are famous quotes on Leadership, and today I want to talk to you about leadership, specifically about church leadership. Leadership matters. Leadership matters. According to the Bible, what is biblical leadership? What's the role of leadership in the church? Is it any different than leadership in the secular world? What what do you look for in a leader in the church? What do you look for in a pastor? Every fall, we ask you to nominate deacons. Church, what do, you, what do you look for in a deacon? What is a deacon? Well, Today, we wrap up our Healthy Church Sermon Series. And as we do, I want us to see from God's Word that healthy churches have qualified leaders who faithfully shepherd under the Lordship of Jesus. Healthy churches have qualified leaders who faithfully shepherd under the Lordship of Jesus. And I want us to see that specifically from God's Word. So as you find your place there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, let me invite you, as is our practice here, to join me standing, uh, whether in body or spirit, for the reading of God's Holy Word. I want to read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and then chapter 5, verse 17. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And now chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. We, we want to hear it, Lord, we want to know it. Lead us to believe it and to act upon it in ways that glorify Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. So the truth, the central truth that I want us to see today from the scriptures is the one I just shared. That's that healthy churches have qualified leaders who faithfully shepherd under the lordship of Jesus. So who are these leaders? Who are the leaders of the church? The New Testament mentions two leadership positions in the church or two offices in the church. And both are mentioned right here in First Timothy chapter 3, overseers. And then soon, as we'll see, 
deacons. So let's break these down. The first of these overseers, pastors, elders slash overseers are servant leaders who shepherd the church to follow Christ. According to the scriptures, the pastors, elders, overseers are servant leaders who shepherd the church to follow Christ. These three terms, the terms pastor and elder and overseer are used interchangeably in the New Testament a number of times to refer to the same position in the local church. Of course, pastor is most often used in our church context, and it emphasizes the caring component of the office. The pastor is to shepherd. The second term, elder, emphasizes maturity, often Referring, of course, to physical maturity, respect your elders, right? Meaning respect those who are older than you. But in the New Testament, this word is used in another way. It's used often, it's used many times uh, to refer to those who have been recognized by the congregation as spiritually mature and then set apart to lead the church. This is why I read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, in conjunction with chapter 3, showing that Paul uses multiple terms to refer to the leaders of the church. They're pastors, they're elders, and they're overseers. Now, the word overseer that's found here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is the word for bishop, emphasizing spiritual leadership. Pastors, elders, overseers are servant leaders who shepherd the church To follow Jesus Christ. Of course, anytime leadership authority is granted, there's the potential for abuse. We know this all too well, whether it's business, politics, athletics, entertainment, or even in the church. And this is why I believe the Bible emphasizes, and I want us to focus in on for the next few minutes, shared leadership. Pastors, elders, overseers, or servant leaders who shepherd the church to follow Christ while sharing spiritual leadership. Sharing spiritual leadership. In other words, the weight of spiritual leadership in the local church, in a local congregation of believers, is not meant to be shouldered by a single person. It's not meant to be shouldered by a single pastor. You may remember that we saw this earlier this year, way back. We saw this principle way back in our journey in in Exodus, where Jethro tells Moses, his son-in-law, he says, quit doing it alone. What are you doing? You, You can't do this alone. So divvy up the responsibilities to lead the people. Jethro says to Moses, well, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, we read Paul's words. He says, the elders, plural, who direct the affairs of the church, singular, the ones who do so well are worthy of double honor. His letter to Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, he says, the reason I left you, Titus, in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders, plural, In every town, as I directed you. In other words, the Bible seems to indicate that elders, pastors, overseers, plural, for each church, singular, in every town. We see the same thing practiced throughout the book of Acts. As Paul travels to new places, he shares the gospel, he sees people come to faith in Jesus, and then he begins to establish new churches. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas are on this first missionary journey They come back and visit the places where they've seen people come to know and to follow Jesus, come to believe. And they come back and they appoint elders for them in each church. And with prayer and fasting, they commit them to the Lord. Now, this shared spiritual leadership was not simply a division of labor, but 
we might refer to as every member ministry, although, of course, that's biblical and that's important in the life of the local church. It's, it's not simply the use of ministry teams or committees like we have here at Meadowbrook. Well, certainly there is a place for those as well. No, what Paul was doing and what many churches have done since, in fact, what an increasing number even of churches in our own denomination, the Southern Baptist churches, are doing is recognizing qualified men from within the congregation and then setting them apart as elders to share the responsibility of leading the congregation to know and to follow Christ faithfully. In other words, the New Testament doesn't seem to envision the kind of professional pastor search process that looks far and wide to find the perfect and prepared candidate to be the solitary spiritual CEO of a church. That's not in the Bible. You won't find it there. Meadowbrook, I'm increasingly convinced that no individual can bear the weight of that responsibility. Certainly not alone. Certainly not over the long haul. And no one person has every gift necessary to lead and oversee a local congregation Well, and so once again, as I mentioned earlier to you this year, once again, Meadowbrook, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to to join me in praying, to join me in praying about whether or not a thorough reading of the scriptures and a faithful interpretation of God's word would lead us to adopt what many churches call an elder led model of leadership. I believe there would be many benefits to such a model for A church like ours, still congregationally governed, meaning every member of the church has a say in major decisions of the church. That's certainly very Baptist, and I believe it's biblical. But under qualified men, pastors, elders, overseers, you are recognized by the church, by the congregation as spiritually mature and set apart as servant leaders sharing the responsibility to shepherd the church. In fact, everywhere that elders are mentioned in the Bible, it seems to refer to a group. A group of pastors, elders, overseers, entrusted to lead a local church. And so in a context like ours, that that would likely mean a combination of paid pastors able to devote more time and energy to the ministry of the church, such as we have right now, but also some lay pastors, meaning those who work full-time jobs outside the church, but who meet the qualifications laid out. In 1 Timothy 3 and elsewhere. And obviously, church, that's not a decision for today. It's probably one that raises a number of other questions, particularly for those that are familiar with the way things operate in the local church here and how decisions are made. But Lord willing, we'll get to those. For now, I'm simply asking you to join me in praying. Join me in praying that the Lord would lead us as a church to humbly and faithfully listen to what the Bible has to say about this and not simply assume that we have it right or that we have it best. Okay, so enough about that. Shared leadership. Shared leadership under the Lordship of Jesus, under Christ's authority. Under the authority of Jesus Christ, healthy churches have qualified leaders who faithfully shepherd under the lordship of Jesus. In Acts chapter 20, Paul calls for the elders of the church in Ephesus and listen to what he has to say to them. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. It's that shepherd language, that pastor language. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought. 
with his own blood. Whose church is it? It's not my church. It's God's church, which he bought with his own blood. Pastors, elders, overseers are servant leaders who shepherd the church to follow Christ, sharing spiritual leadership under Christ's authority while modeling Christ's character. While modeling the character of Jesus. Incredibly, 1 Timothy 3 doesn't provide a detailed list of skills needed for the office of overseer. Nothing about creativity or charisma. No Meyer Briggs test or disc profile needed, but descriptions of character that honors Jesus. Did you catch that? Don't miss that. I mean, imagine a job interview that highlights character over competence. One that puts more weight on humility, integrity, and honesty than it does on education, personality, or productivity. This is it. Last week we presented some new member candidates to the church. And one of the things that we said about those new member candidates was that they had agreed to support our church covenant. And right in our church covenant, listen to what we say. We say we believe God has called and trusted and equipped pastors and leaders to serve and care for this local body, this local church, by teaching the scriptures to us and modeling Christ's character for us. Of course, all Christians are called to imitate the character of Jesus. Paul is saying here, how much more so those set apart and entrusted with the responsibility of leading the church. So pastors, elders, overseers are servant leaders who shepherd the church to follow Christ, sharing spiritual leadership under Christ's authority, modeling Christ's character and caring for Christ's body, caring for Christ's body, that is caring for the church, the body of Christ. Paul says to Timothy, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Likewise, Peter addresses church elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, and he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Good shepherds care for their sheep. Like Jesus, they care for those that have been entrusted to them. Like a good father corrects and comforts and guides his children, a good shepherd corrects and comforts and guides his congregation. Caring for Christ's body and, we see here, teaching Christ's word. Teaching the word. Teaching the word. Verse 2 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Here's the the only reference in this rather daunting list to an overseer's actual duties, a specific responsibility and skill necessary to shepherd the church. He must be able to teach. And so when it comes to faithful and biblical shepherding in the local church, let's anticipate and expect preaching and teaching the word to take precedence over other job responsibilities. And certainly there are other responsibilities that are important and necessary. But let's not let them impact negatively the responsibility to proclaim the Scriptures. And Meadowbrook, you do this. You do this. You want the Word 
praise God you want the word. So thank you, thank you, thank you, church family, for being a congregation that expects and wants the word. You submit to the word. So Paul is saying, I think, more important than personality or presentation or likability, more necessary for the health of the church than charisma or drive or charm is faithful proclamation of the Scriptures and the clear pointing to the things of Jesus Christ. And so, church, may the Word of Christ be central. May it be central here. May it be central in our worship gatherings now and forever and all that we do as a people known as Meadowbrook Baptist Church. All right, so healthy churches... Healthy churches of qualified leaders who faithfully shepherd under the lordship of Jesus. Pastors, elders, overseers comprise the first leadership position in the church. But Paul mentions another one, and that's the role of of deacons. Pastors are servant leaders who shepherd the church. And deacons are leading servants who support the ministries of the church. According to the scriptures, according to the Bible, deacons are, are leading servants who support the ministries of the church. Let's look back at the text. First Timothy chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verse 8. Paul goes on. He says, In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if, then if there is anything against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate, Trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So deacon qualifications, you may notice here, are quite similar to elder or pastor overseer qualifications with two noteworthy exceptions. First, deacons for deacons. Verse 11, the women are mentioned. The same Greek word can be translated wife or women. And so truth be told, there's debate about what's meant here. Is Paul talking about women deacons or is he talking about deacons wives? We really don't know. And a strong case from the scriptures can be made for both. The second noteworthy difference, the second key difference between these two lists is that there's no mention of the requirement for deacons to be able to teach. The Bible doesn't have a lot to say about deacons, but deacon means servant, one who cares for others. Deacons are leading servants who support the ministries of the church by meeting needs, by meeting needs in the church. So friend, if the congregation nominates you, To be a deacon, the church is saying, we believe you are a servant. We believe that you are a servant of Jesus Christ and his church. We believe there are ministry needs in the church. And we believe you are the kind of Christ follower we would like to be meeting those needs in our name. What an honor. Acts chapter 6. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time this morning. But this is the passage that's often pointed to as... Uh, the, the model for calling the first deacons. There's a need in the church. Gospel is growing. The gospel is spreading. The church is go- growing. There's a need in the church. There are some, uh, some widows that are being overlooked that are in need. And so the apostles gather the church together, the congregation, and say, set apart some men for this particular task. Set apart, set apart some people to do this work. There's a particular need in the church. 
Deacons are called for the task as representatives of the church. Deacons are leading servants, meeting needs, and supporting the ministry of the word. Supporting the ministry of the word. In Acts chapter 6, the apostles said, verse 3, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer in the ministry of the word. In other words, the deacons allow the pastors or elders to devote time to teaching and guiding the church according to God's word. Co-laborers in the gospel working together as ministers of the church displaying God's glory and declaring his gospel. According to the Bible, deacons are leading servants, meeting needs, supporting the ministry of the word and unifying the body. Unifying the body. That is the body of believers, the body of Christ. And so in that particular scenario in Acts chapter 6, as a result of the humble and sacrificial service of deacons as recorded in Acts 6, disunity is addressed and the church grows. Needs are met and the church grows. And likewise, here at Meadowbrook, we specifically charge our deacons to promote peace, harmony, and a spirit of cooperation within the church. So deacons are leading servants who support the ministries of the church. Pastors, elders, overseers are, lead, are servant leaders who shepherd the church. Friends, together these two leadership offices, rightly filled and fulfilled, contribute to healthy churches. So what is a healthy church? As we close out this series today, I want to return to the definition that was given that I shared by Mark Dever with which we began the series. A healthy church is a congregation that increasingly reflects God's character as His character has been revealed in His Word. In other words, a healthy church provides a picture of the character of our God, certainly to one another in the body, to one another as we strive to serve one another for the glory of Christ, but not only to one another and to the world. Sound doctrine, knowing and sharing the gospel of Jesus, making disciples, Christians committed to one another and qualified leaders. These are marks of a healthy church that prod the church to increasingly reflect God's character as his character has been revealed in his word. Just a few weeks ago, there was were strong storms that came through the area, and you know that many trees were uprooted, knocked down. Power was out. Many of you were without power for a day, power for a day or two or, or three. So big trees that were knocked over. Some stayed in place. Most stayed in place, thank the Lord. But there were some, some big trees that stayed in place. And we know this, a tree that's got deeper roots and stronger roots is more likely to stay in place. And likewise, when it comes to a church, having these marks make a church more likely to remain healthy and and strong and to be a beacon of light serving the kingdom of our God. To love Jesus is to love his church. And to love the church is to want the church to glorify Jesus. And so rather than critique the bride of Christ, let's do our part, friends, let's do our part, brothers and sisters, contributing to Meadowbrook being the kind of healthy church that God desires her to be. Let's love and serve the bride of Jesus Christ. Let's love and serve the bride of Jesus Christ. Friends, let's love and serve the bride of Christ. Perhaps you're not part of the bride of Christ. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Why don't you turn and trust him today? 
find forgiveness of sins and eternal hope and trusting in Jesus, the head of the church and the Lord of all for salvation. Become part of His church, big C. And then let me encourage you to become part of His church, small C. Become connected to a local congregation of believers where the Lord leads you, whether or not that's here or elsewhere. Connect to the body so that you can contribute to the health of the church. And fellow members of this local body of believers, let's love and serve one another. Let's love and serve the body in a way that glorifies our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, that is our aim. That is our desire to honor you, to exalt the name of Jesus as we gather as your people known as Meadowbrook Baptist Church. May we exalt your name even now, right now today and every day. Father, may all that we do individually and collectively as a church family and a household of faith, as your word says, a pillar and foundation of the truth, the church of the living God, Lord, may we honor you. Lord, where we are healthy, thank you for your spirit's work here. Father, where we are unhealthy, we pray that you would confront us and correct us, that we might draw near to you and glorify the name of Jesus. May we lean on each other, may we consume your word, and may we glorify your name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.